Digital Gonzo, episode 88, dated Thursday the 12th of July 2012, Batman, Arkham Asylum, and Arkham City. Look at all this new security. How's a guy supposed to break out of here? Don't be a stranger. He surrendered almost without a fight. I don't like it. At least he's back where he belongs. Get up! I set a trap, and you sprang it gloriously! Now let's get this party started! <laughs> There's no escape, Joker. I don't want to escape! I'm having way too much fun! Over, Joker. Over? Why, my dear delusional dark knight. It hasn't even begun. <laughs> this is the eighth of eleven Batman reviews for Digital Gonzo on the road to the Dark Knight Rises. We've covered pretty much every significant screen appearance of the Bat so far. Next week we start on Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, but tonight we're talking not only the best Batman game series, but possibly the best two video games focused on a comic book hero. Games that leave Spider-Man jealous, Superman fuming, Iron Man face-palming, and the Hulk green with envy. Games that go go beyond the normal bar set for this type of adaptation, which is to recreate what it's like to be in the shoes, or indeed enormous green feet, of the larger-than-life superhero. Arkham manages to craft a genuinely compelling narrative with some fantastic voice acting, gorgeously detailed, beefy, shadowy, grimy environments, courtesy of the Unreal Engine, gadget-based Metroid-style progression, and one of the most well-balanced and pacey fighting systems for an action game, ever. But Arkham is even more than that besides. It's a blending of elements from throughout Batman's long history, taking the strongest parts from every corner, placing them in the right context and saying, here guys, this is how you do it right. Beyond even that, after you're done with the extensive story on both worlds, they open up and yield secrets and little details that are the hallmark of work that has been lovingly crafted by people who know their Batman. It's not always a constant stream of pleasure, though, and these games are not without flaws, some of them head-slappingly nonsensical and even juvenile. We'll definitely be discussing those little peccadillos tonight as well. Nevertheless, these remain the yardstick of adaptations to video games to which all others should aspire. And here on the Arkham Island Batcave with me, Neil Teller of Game Burst and KDS 2.0. I'm back. I recovered from my Batman and Robin coma. He did. And Jerome McIntosh and Paul Gibson of Gonzo Planet. Hello. Thank you, lads, for coming back again. Okay, because we're talking about games this time, we're going to have to deviate from the movie format. There's 50-plus hours of gameplay experience to sum up in one single show, so we need focus points. And rather than covering first one, then the other, we should cover them both at the same time, and when it's relevant, point out the differences and relative strengths and weaknesses in Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. So, 
just briefly to put it into context, did any of you guys look at the YouTube videos I put out on Twitter this afternoon regarding the previous Batman games? Uh, I've yes. seen previous Batman games before, and unfortunately I've played some of those you linked to. <sighs> yeah, so, like me too. Bringing back that pain. Yeah. Ultimately saying this is the best Batman game ever is like saying this is the tallest dwarf ever. <laughs> it's... It's really, all it has to be is better than awful. And I don't know, there was some... I'm trying to remember, there was meant to be a good Adventures one... Adventures of Batman and Robin, 1994, Super Nintendo. It was a good one last gen, wasn't they? Rise of Tatsan? Shinsu. Shinsu. Yes, uh, Rise of Shinsu. It, it was okay. Looking at it now, it actually looks really dated now that Arkham Asylum's out. The Mega Drive and NES and SNES era Batman from 1989. Then there was a Return of the Joker, no way affiliated with the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Although there was later a Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which was possibly one of the worst games ever, let alone worst Batman games ever. I don't know, I, I can be the judge of that. I've played VIP, which is the worst game ever. Officially. <laughs> In my eyes, they, I haven't found anything worse than that, not even Spider-Man. VIP? Yes. What, what, As in the Pamela Anderson television series called oh, the God, same name. Oh, that one? Okay, um, maybe you should do a, uh, a, a little video on that for Gonzo Planet. On VIP? What are you done? Think... It's on my YouTube channel. Oh, sh- right, you know what? Just because it's you, we're going to republish... Th- if is that's okay, we, can, we yeah, will re- go ahead. It, Gonzo it, Planet. It is awful. I'll put that up today so you guys can check it out right now. Uh, there was also Batman Returns from 1992, which was rock hard, and it was sort of a side-scrolling Street of Rage style beat-em-up. That's actually not too bad. Um, then there was uh, The Adventures of Batman and Robin from 1994, which is based on an animated series, actually pretty good. Batman Forever in 1995, based on the Mortal Kombat engines of its respective 16-bit consoles. Absolute excrement. Oh, God, yes. From that, that, that YouTube video, is like... Oh, wow. Who thought that was a good idea? And this was at the tail end of the uh, 16-bit era, and that's when some of the best and some of the worst games ever came out on these systems. I think the the first Batman game I played was... God, it was... Hang on. 1986. Oh, God. So we're talking, like, home computer stuff, right? Yeah, it was on the Amstrad. You know, I left them out because I have no knowledge (laughs) of them. What was it like? It might as well have not been a Batman game. It, you know, you played as Batman and you were collecting bits of the Batmobile. Hang on, was that the isometric one? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Giles put that up in the uh, video game screenshots ep- uh, thread. Yes, he did, yeah. I think I guess, I think, I guess where I went, <laughs> man? <laughs> I don't know what it's from, but it looks like a no, it, horrible it was... child's crayon scribble of Batman, so probably a Batman. Yeah, it was, from what I remember, ridiculously hard and actually had very little to do with Batman. Okay, so yeah, there was Batman Forever. Check that out on YouTube. It really needs to be seen. Uh, the PSX era ushered in, and you know they could now be in 3D and utterly terrible. So you got Batman and Robin from 1998, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but that um, that YouTube video I sent you guys—it's during a bank raid or something. So this really annoying alarm keeps going off every few seconds. It looks like one of the most unpleasant gameplay experiences I could possibly describe. I would rather play Desert Bus than that game. How about Revolution X? I would rather play Revolution X than that game. <laughs> At least both of those games are relatively straightforward. You don't actually have to think about where you're going. 
Um, then there was uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which, interestingly enough, has the same acronym as Return of the Jedi. Gotham City Racer was 2001. Never seen it. I, um... Because I, I buy a lot, I collect video games, and I yeah, do yeah. tend to uh, do videos on them, which I will be back to soon. I do tend to collect bad ones, and I will admit, Gotham City Racers is on the list. Yeah, I would imagine. It's when, like, when... It was back in the phase of everything must have a cart game. Seriously, Batman Kart. There was Crash it... Bandicoot Kart racing. There was all sorts. Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Super Bombad racing. <laughs> okay, so uh, on the PS2 era, we got Batman Vengeance, which by all accounts is terrible. Dark Tomorrow, which looked really interesting, turned out to be terrible. Batman Begins, the game of the film, which was terrible in 2005. <laughs> Making notes already. <laughs> I yep. shall check these out. Then uh, when we got to this generation, it's finally some leeway you got Lego Batman in 2008 now whatever you feel about the Lego games they are more polished than everything I've mentioned so far and then there was Arkham Asylum in 2009 Arkham City in 2011 and Lego Batman 2 in 2012 so already we're into a a brand new era where Batman's being given better quality games and we should point out that the day we record this news leaked of yeah appropriately so a prequel. We'll talk about that at the end. The future's looking bright for Batman, because if they do a terrible Batman game now, it's not going to sell. This next section is going to be on the various elements that have been taken from Batman throughout the ages. So, basically, it requires you guys to scrape your braniums and work out where, which elements we've seen in Arkham Asylum and Arkham City elsewhere. So, uh, if we start off with elements from the comics, because that's probably the most broad... We'll start with the, the Asylum itself, the first one. Mm. The location of that is forever changing. Sometimes it's on the outskirts mm. of Gotham City. In the case of this one, it was on an island, mm. which I think it was for most of the comics in the end. I think it got shifted to the island, but again, in the comics, it's been burnt down, blown up, and all sorts. I think in the Nolan films, it's attached to Gotham, isn't it? That way they can shut it, off a whole section of the city. Yeah, I think I it think is on an island as well. Mm. Yeah, oh, right. you know, in a New York-style... Yeah, you know, Manhattan Island type way. Yeah, because right. isn't the narrows around it? Yeah, yeah, and they bring the bridges up. Yeah, yeah, it's, to it's, stop everybody escaping. So yeah, elements from the comics have got earmarked. Obviously, all of, most of the characters are directly you know originated in the comics. The general world balance is the most important thing for me. Um, this is probably closest in tone to the comics than it is any other form of medium in terms of what I've read so far. And obviously they, they go up and down between the 50s, 60s, 70s, so maybe closest in tone to comics from the past 15 years. Yeah, yeah that's right. Mm. Uh, I mean, the characters are all recognisable, you know who they are. They may have had their look tweaked in a lot yeah. of cases. So yeah. Two stand out to me that definitely have had their look tweaked is Ivy mm. and uh, Killer Croc, because I don't remember Killer Croc being that huge. It they works, don't get them. me wrong. It works, because that, that whole section is just terrifying. You want to talk about people getting huge suddenly. What has Commissioner Gordon been doing? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Arnie, for God's sake. <laughs> to be fair, all of the cops are kind of like that. It's, it's, Super muscular. It's the downside of the Unreal Engine, though. Everything tends to be Everything's unreal. unreal. <laughs> well, characters do tend to be quite chungy. Yeah. You don't get lithe in the Unreal games so Apart much. Apart from the female characters, I note. There's various reasons for that, and we'll talk about that when it comes to the general perception of females in this world, specifically Arkham City, later on. Um, so yeah, the, the characters and the general world balancing. The Nolan films, their influence is felt, for me, 
the two most noticeable things are the serious tone yeah. and the music. So three most noticeable things. Serious tone, the music, which has a very kind of kind of momentum feel to it. And then the fighting, which is obviously based very clearly on the uh, Batman Begins style, Casey style, uh, extremely close combat brawling, a lot less of the, the martial arts of the animated series. Yeah, it, it def- that is a real standout for those games, is that combat. It's just the moment, once you lock into how to do it, it is fun. It's still more acrobatic than it is in the uh, the Nolan films. He's actually flipping over them, and he's doing things that, that are almost superhuman at times in terms of how he's able to move his body around, but at the same time, we've seen how dedicated he can be. You sort of forgive it, because it's a video game, so they, they don't quite have the ties to actual reality. Mm. Not saying this game isn't grand in reality. It really is. It's just uh, oh, oh, hang on. It's very, very stylized. You've, you've got to be careful when it comes to saying it's going to be yeah. I've been reading up on, um, specifically from Film Crit Holt's point of view on this, it's sort of a hyper-real world. More real than, say, cartoons. But It's yeah. approaching it with a mindset of how these sort of things work. If it was super grounded in reality, Batman would punch one guy and he'd go, You broke my goddamn jaw! <laughs> and then that's him out. He wouldn't just get back up again. And, and maybe if it was grounded in reality, they'd, the guys you fight would be different shapes, but they're all the same. It's a lot more real feeling than, say, any of the Burton films, any of the Schumacher films, lots of the animated stuff. And Batman doesn't kill anybody. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, they're absolutely spot on with his character there. Elements from the animated series, the voices. See, when, you, when I started playing, I was like, wow, they've got the voices of everyone. But that's how well they weave it in it's only actually three actors it's the people the you'll notice the most yeah and it's only two actors in Arkham City Conroy yeah. and Hamill Conroy and Hamill uh, it's originally it's uh, Arlene Sorkin playing Harley Quinn but that's Tara Strong in Arkham City who I think I think uh, Arlene Sorkin's retired now speaking of voices there's one thing that I noticed and once I noticed it I couldn't stop mm. thinking this Oracle is Ashley Williams Oh, right. Oh. Yeah, Kimberly Brooks from Mass Effect did indeed play Oracle, and also she was in Mystery of the Batwoman. She was Kathleen Ducanesque. I wouldn't be, rather not be reminded that is not a good film. I actually quite like it. It's the last hurrah for uh, uh, Kevin Conroy as Batman in the animated series, like that Batman timeline. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not like knock you on your ass excellent, but it's, it's on a par, say, with Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. I think he's better than Sub-Zero, actually. Because we're talking about it, and because I haven't been able to put it in any other part of uh, the Batman podcast, I'm going to play a bit of music from Mystery of the Batwoman. It's totally inappropriate for Arkham Asylum, but sod it. <laughs> and it's called Betcha Never. It is by Cherie, and she plays the chanteuse singing this in a club.
so yeah, back to the voices from the animated series. The three characters that are voiced by their their, their classic counterparts, Kevin Conroy as the immortal version of Batman for us, Mark Hamill as the Joker. These were basically the voices we grew up with, so we immediately accept them when they give us this game. It would have been a much bigger stepping stone for us to get over had they not been voicing the characters. Yeah, it's true. I think you're right. It's because we did grow up with them that that's just... It's, yeah, that's, that's Batman. You know, that's Batman, that's the Joker. Although I think now they probably could slip Bruce Greenwood in there and we'd be okay with that as Batman. There are elements from the Burton films in there. There's a little bit of camp, but just enough, I think. And there's even elements of the Schumacher uh, uh, films. In Sharon mentioned when we were watching the uh, cutscenes the other day that Poison Ivy is basically probably what they wanted her to be like in those films, in this. Yeah, done much better. Mm. Um, oh, going back to the animated series as well, obviously we've got the, the writers. Yes, Paul Dini. Um, I did like it, the way his credit was worked in in the intro as well. How's it happen? Um, if I remember rightly, somebody either falls or jumps off a roof going past uh, Paulie's diner sign. No! <laughs> the letters... <laughs> and also, there is Dini Towers as well. Seriously? Yeah. 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 It's where yeah. some of the snipers are when Vicky, Vicky's helicopter crashes. That's nice. As, as we said before, he is one of the uh, writers who really knows Batman, and he's been working on him for years and years. So, yeah, and he does a sterling job here. The original Arkham Asylum was just Paul Dini on writing duties. Okay. Arkham City which some might say is a bit less focused, also uh, was co-written by Paul Crocker and Sefton Hill, who directed the game. May, may explain a few things. Yes. Well, okay, on to more of that in a bit. Uh, there are also a couple of Easter eggs in there, uh, specifically Arkham City, uh, that relate to the Schumacher films, the, the, the Burton films, and even the Adam West Batman. For example, there's a shark. Yeah. Yes, and if you fail the shark, it does. It, it does say uh, Batman has his shark repellent, and it just basically tells you to punch the shark a lot. But nice, it does say shark <laughs> repellent. Because I, I yeah. think someone in the forums posted up a, a couple of videos of the Easter eggs, and I did watch yeah. them. It, it was dauntless. There's a um, uh, a big rubber ducky on wheels referring to the penguin. I never noticed. I've been, in, you know, the amount of times I've played that game, and I never noticed the big rubber ducky down there in the foundry. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a a magical mystery to Batman history, but rather than being just a big sloppy museum piece, it's a really, especially asylum yeah. focused adventure. I think the great thing is it has elements that you recognise from all over the place, and it just mm. combines them so well that you never you seeing the little Easter eggs, seeing the things, it never takes you out of them. Yeah. Although, really? How the hell did the penguin get a shark in there? I'm not denying it's cool, but logically it fails me. But well, it, it's one of my childhood nightmares, a giant aquatic area and a shark in there. And so it was really nerve-wracking. But, uh, but yeah, logistics through the roof. Yeah, then again, video game. I suppose it's meant to be on par with, the, with, the, with Asylum's uh, Croc's Lair, which yeah. is a hell of a lot more tense, I have to yeah. admit. Well, that's the shark just is a dumb animal and the croc tries to psych you out. Mm. Here is the thing. I suspect that once the Nolan films are done and put to bed, when they start making a Batman that's going to fit in with the JLA in the cinematic universe for, the, for DC, it'll probably be something closer to this. 
I suspect, because we've, they've gone super realistic with Nolan. If they swing the pendulum back too far, it's going to be too silly. So maybe a nice balancing? Yeah, this is definitely the way to do it. I, I did read today that after Man of Steel, they're mm-hmm. not doing another movie for three years, so they can line up and do a Marvel and do individual movies that lead up to JSA. Whether or not that's true, because also the minute there's rumours that they're not... Hang on, sure. JSA, Justice Society Sorry, of America? JLA. <laughs> Are they getting Wildcat? Sorry, carry on. <laughs> kind of cool. Um, and still, and Golden Age Flash. <laughs> With his ridiculous sound. <laughs> uh. Right, so the plots for the, the two games. There's too much that goes on in both games. And I think by this point, if you haven't played at least one of them a lot, you're not going to be getting the most out of this particular podcast. But in brief, Batman brings the Joker to Arkham Asylum, ostensibly to bring him in. A trap is sprung, and Batman is stuck on the island, trying to unravel a plot that the Joker has put together, and work out whether or not the entirety of Gotham is in terrible danger. It probably is. (laughs) I was going to say, that's just a given, isn't it? It will be in danger. It's the Joker. Cue an extremely claustrophobic Batman adventure where he comes into contact with various characters, actually not too many of his rogues gallery, but it feels like a lot more because there's so many little nods and winks all over the place. Uh, And also some genuinely effective fear moments. Actually, should we talk about these now? Because they're to me the standout sections of the game. Are we talking Scarecrow? Yeah. Because those were fantastic. Although, minor thing. I thought his fear toxin was a gas. It is a gas. Because it seems to imply in this one, because they're not borrowing that gloved look from anybody that I can think of. <laughs> I, I can think of someone of there. <laughs> yes, one, two, and so forth. But um, Scarecrow's coming for you. It's a bit weird to even make it the, the, the toxin into the liquid, but God, those levels are surreal and fantastic. Yeah. They captured the true feeling of going against the Scarecrow. It's a purely psychological event. Yes. It was always the the run-up to the actual Scarecrow level, <laughs> yeah. for want of a better word, that was the better bit. Significantly, yeah, because the, the rest the of it was... Going kind down of corridors and... Platforming. Section. All that sort of bits, yeah, were far better in the flashing back and things like that. Well, principally because they messed with your mind. Mm. Um, oh, they did actually turn the Joker toxin into a liquid form for... Batman Begins, didn't they? When they put it into the water system. The the, the scarecrow toxin. Scarecrow. Did I say Joker? Yeah. Sorry. Too many toxins. Too many toxins. <laughs> and from the looks of... Just looking at a picture of Scarecrow from this, he is wearing a gas mask as well, so... Must be both in this. I think the... Um, well, he actually stabs Batman with those later on and gives him a super concentrated dose. So I think that if he gets that close to you, he can completely mess you up. Yeah. And the thing is, like you say in the build-up, you know, you've got all the fantastic normal play but it's those moments when you start to realise something's not quite yeah. right mm. and then you fi- you more you as the player twig before Batman does you go mm. oh no because yeah. things in the environment change just slightly one thing's out of place then you notice another thing and next thing you know your surroundings have completely changed it starts usually with the hissing of gas, and you can, you can usually tell when, when one of them's becoming initiated, well, especially after you've done the first one. Uh, but you also, I noticed when I swung the camera around, while you're walking on the corridor, Batman's eyes are glowing, which that's is only, genuinely scary. I think that's only in the first time, though, because I don't remember it's it right. happening in the second time, because right. you come out, you're in the, the uh, mansion part, you mm. come out the door, and the corridor looks the same, and then all of a sudden it just starts stretching on and on, and then you get the flashback to... 
Crimality and stuff, and you know, then yeah. you're like, uh oh, because you get you get sort of uh, baby Bruce, I suppose is the best way of putting it. Eight year old Bruce, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's that's that's the the core of the not only the uh, the game but the Batman story, and it's right there. And having to relive that as him, and then dropping to your knees and being silhouetted in the Batman symbol, and then having to get up and proceed onwards yeah. as young Bruce. So so effective. It even works just watching it, but playing it's even even more powerful. It's a fantastic game design. And I remember when I, uh, we uh, talked to Mike Oldman, who was uh, PR for this in the UK. Th- there was one thing that he uh, wanted to tell us about this game was his favourite thing, and he wasn't able to tell us <laughs> because it was a secret. And that was it. The the fear sections. And there's only three of them, so they, they mm. got the balance right, and they don't happen close together. No. But when they happen, oh wow! Well, back in the first one, when you go into the uh, the morgue and you you go open the body bags and it's your parents in there and they're talking to you, and then the third one is the Freddy Krueger scarecrow and he leaps out at you. Again, it it, it seems like cheap uh, cat in the closet scares, but then when you turn around, everything's all changed. So it is actually not too dissimilar from Freddy in terms of it becomes dreamlike when you're in a nightmare and you don't have the control. And you can't decide where the game goes. It yanks the rug out from under you. And you, you factor in the fact that the music changes, the sound effects that they put in, especially the morgue bit where the morgue's telling you to get out. It just yeah, combines to get visual distortions and things like that as well. Yeah. It genuinely is creepy as hell. It would appear through these fear scenarios, the talking corpses, the preponderance of graves, skeletons and coffins, and the flashback to Crime Alley on that most important night of Bruce's life, that the one thing he is most afraid of is death itself. His lack of control as a child and his inability to prevent the murder of his parents did far more than make him want to fight crime. He has waged a personal war on the Grim Reaper for decades. Always saving people, whether criminal or innocent, he will never allow people to die and certainly could never kill someone himself as a result of this. He can't even kill someone to prevent them from killing other people. So in a twisted effort to preserve all life, He has allowed the Joker to live on and on and on, crippling, murdering, ruining lives and making more and more orphans. Batman must live by this system and place his faith in justice or his mind would unravel at the harm he has indirectly caused. Is where it completely messes with you. Oh. Back to the beginning, and um, everyone must have done this and gone, Oh, has it reset? <laughs> yeah, <'cause> it, <laughs> yeah. Did that thing reset? It just sort of pulls the Metal Gear 2 on you, doesn't it? Mm. it yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2. Well, yeah. Metal Gear Solid uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4 have all messed with you in different ways like that. But it, but it just pulled out because you get that weird little. like the disc is frozen or something, and mm. then it's the start thing again. But when it cuts to inside the car, the rolls have flipped, all of a sudden the Joker's driving. Even yeah. before Batman's. that, it's slightly different. I think some of the signs are slightly different. Um, yeah, it's like mental people this way or something along those yeah. lines. <laughs> the Batman light in the sky, I think that's changed the Scarecrow's face. Yes, oh, yeah. it's, it's a sort of a pumpkin-y uh, face thing. So that should have been your first tip-off that it was changing. But then when you control Joker in a mirror of the walking down the hallway while Batman's chained up, this is a reference to the Grant Morrison story from the, I think it was the late 80s, um, Arkham Asylum, 
a serious house on serious earth which initially when I played the game I was like this is nothing to do with that and I didn't want people to get confused when I was talking about it um, but it actually has quite a lot of things in common isn't that the one that introduces the Arkham family? Yeah, this Amadeus Arkham, which is who is referenced in the game and actually is part of the secrets. Yeah. And um, the the notion was put out in that one that Batman is just as crazy as the maniacs that he brings in and ultimately he deserves to be in the asylum himself. And Batman is, as well, trapped in the asylum uh, in a trap sprung by Joker. It's, it's kind of the literary version of this. There's, there's a lot less action and a lot more. But the whole thing is painted by Dave McKean, who does Sandman and uh, Thirty Days of Night, like a nightmare. And imagine the whole book being like the fear sections. It's, it's, it's really It's unpleasant, but fantastic. So much depth in the artwork and the writing in that one. Okay, so that's the plot <laughs> of the first one. Um, Arkham City, uh, in, the, <laughs> in the aftermath of this, Joker, the whole plot of the first one, when it comes down to it, Joker was trying to get Bane's venom, Bane toxin, another toxin for you, <laughs> to, to weaponize it and turn it into something that he could use to completely mess people up and turn them into super soldiers, chaotic super soldiers of a sort. And uh, he imbibes it himself and begins to suffer as a result. And Arkham City is a section of Gotham, see this doesn't really make any sense when I say it, that has been annexed and filled up with criminals. Yeah, they needed to be a better setup because it is very confusing. Because the game, it's already happened by the time you get to the game. Yeah. Literally, the game starts with you as Bruce Wayne speaking out against it and being thrown in by Strange. But there's no real explanation of why did they decide to. Well, I can. It sort of actually, alludes to it. It actually does explain. That's, this is where the whole collecting thing comes in, the whole Easter egg. Because what you do, you find out that um, um, Doctor Strange. Uh, sorry, Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange. Doctor Strange. Professor. Sorcerer Supreme. Professor, as, as he makes the Joker call him. Professor Strange. Um, gets the Mad Hatter to hypnotise uh, what's his name the head of Quincy Sharp Quincy Sharp mayor of hang on he goes from being disgraced uh, administrator of Arkham Asylum to what mayor of Gotham don't forget possessed as well and mental basically (laughs) the Mad Hatter he got the Mad Hatter to hypnotise him to thinking he was um, Amadeus Arkham Mm -hmm. and thus becoming that way when he was moving throughout the he was doing what Strange wanted him to do while not really knowing he was doing it is this in Asylum? yeah now um, Strange has used his connections with the politicians and whatnot to get Quincy Sharp to become mayor and through their political ties they've been able to get these bills passed and whatnot to get people to agree to turn the downtown um, Gotham into an Arkham City facility. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I also gather there was a... It's one syllable and it still doesn't really make sense, but okay. I think there was a, a prequel comic book series as well. Yeah. Which I've not read, but it exists. <sighs> okay, the reason it really exists is because they needed Batman to be able to fly and swoop and jump and run and punch around a bit of Gotham City. Not too much of it because it would become too sprawling, but 
enough of it, and also enough of it that there'd be enough crime that he was actually engaged in constant action rather than just looking around for the occasional mugging or raping to go and, you know, break up. So it's the, the whole plot is put together with narrative contrivance. It also introduces problems of its own as well. Yeah. Which is? Um, if you've got uh, that area of the city that's just full of criminals, mm-hmm. why would you help any of them? Um, political prisoners. That's exactly. why they introduced a few yeah. people who weren't criminals. Yeah, yeah. People and got here's... trapped when it was turned into Arkham City. Here's one of the problems that film crit Hulk encountered. He wrote a piece on how a portion of Arkham City is actually quite depressingly sexist, and the amount of comeback he got from people who were coming up with not especially strong arguments for why this should be the case. One of them was that ultimately criminals would talk like this. The notion then is that all criminals are the same, all criminals are rapists, all criminals are thugs, all criminals are huge and beefy and will murder you. You see, you're talking about mindset there, and I know people, I live in a particularly not well-off type of towns so I know people that do talk like that so yeah. it's kind of I know what I know he's making a fair point um it's the, the the definitely is a lot of a sexism in there but it's never something that's bothered me but then again it's I'm not the sort of person that he is going to bother if you know what I mean mm. I'm not even addressing the sexism at this point it's more just a case of the fact that every and this wasn't even at a point he was originally making but every character that you have to beat up in Arkham City is pretty much the same guy, mm. as far as you're concerned as Batman. He's, what, six feet tall, built like a brick shit house. He shouts abuse at you and he attacks you with either his fists or a baseball bat or a knife or a taser. And the only variations are the ones who are crazy out of their heads and super bulked up with, with Titan. And that there is no variation between them. And ultimately, it is a game full of thugs for you to beat up, much like Streets of Rage. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's, it's not much of a, a stretch, and ultimately that is a certain narrative stylization which you kind of have to accept about the Arkham City games. You run into the limitation of a video game itself. There, are you really going to dedicate a team of X amount of people to design hundreds, thousands of different individual enemies? Yeah, some of which are thin and shrimpy and run immediately as soon as Batman turns up. Some of which are, you know, much, much bigger and more aggressive. And But ultimately, it, it's, it's a way of balancing the combat so that you're mostly having the same fight over and over again. It just happens that that same fight's really quite thrilling. And so that you can identify the different types yeah. during that fight. Both Arkham Asylum and City do suffer a little bit from this, of so just sort of throwing the same guys at you over and over again. But like I said, it's, it's mainly a, a, a gameplay aspect of it. And fortunately, they do also manage to throw enough interesting villains at you that you're not really thinking about that too much. Asylum yeah. has the problem that a lot of the bosses are the same. Big guy, runs at you, you move out of the way, maybe hit him in the face of the Batarang, he hits a wall, you jump on him, you do a thing, repeat it three times. Yeah. Sometimes there's two of them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the variation. Yeah. I mean, the exceptions are things like the croc section. Yeah. Which you could argue is a boss. That's essentially the best, one of my favourite boss fights in Arkham. Yeah. It's, it's much more about setting up the, uh, the, uh, the atmosphere of that scene. It's yeah. the best boss fight in Arkham, considering the final boss fight is awful oh, and a letdown. Yeah. One of the things about the Joker is that he doesn't really fight Batman with his fists, and he's not a great big hulking bruiser. They changed that. Oh, no. 
And uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't matter so much if you were just fighting him, but then you've also got to fight a bunch of guys at the same time. And you never a, really fight well, him is the problem, you know. You know he'll come down, he, you avoid him for a bit. Yeah. He brings in his goons, you beat the hell out of them, he gets distracted by a helicopter, starts being all gobby, you pull yeah. him down with the back claw, his fingernails stick through the floor, then you twat him a bit, and he breat and repints, rinse but and repeat three times. That's it, it's the rinse repeat which kills yeah. it. If it was just that happening once, you'd be like, oh, that was kind of easy, but I feel like a badass. But Habit's like, right, I guess we do that again then. But the Joker's smart, he's not going to fall for this... Okay, it appears he is going to fall for the same thing and literally do the same thing again. Where they, really helicopter. Yeah. Where they actually got it right in a boss fight in City is Freeze. Uh, he's yeah. smart enough to go, right, well, you got me with the, you know, either, well, there's multiple ways, but you got me with, say, the exploding yeah. ball trick. Yeah. I'll not fall for, and he doesn't fall for it again. You get him with the yeah. electric, he doesn't fall for that again. The, yeah, that's true, actually. That is exactly how boss fights should be. Smart bosses who learn and adapt. I mean, once you've been killed by him a few times, you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do the mine thing now, and the wool thing now, and the electric thing now, and eventually you do enough things in a row that you can beat him. But still, it's much better than just, I guess we're going to do this again now. And it also does make you feel like Batman, because you go, right, I have yeah. to be just as smart as he is. Agreed, completely. The presentation, both the graphics and the engine, and the aesthetics, is extremely strong. It makes you feel that you're witnessing a new version of Batman, even though it is effectively a cocktail of the, all the other versions you've seen. Yeah, it, it still yeah. feels fresh. And both times, in either the more enclosed asylum or in the city, the aesthetics make you feel like you're really there. And you never feel that they're a mishmash. Although, uh, the only thing I can say about the asylum game is the size sometimes doesn't seem to equate with the island sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. The inner workings feel a lot bigger when you go outside and see the buildings they small especially Similarly, the fire type sections mm. although they're under the island I suppose but similarly yeah. as, as big as Arkham City is I felt like I'd flown around the exterior so many times by the time I'd finished and I was like yeah I just went to this bit now I went to this bit it actually feels a little bit smaller as a result especially the section around the the central yeah oh uh, yeah the, like the is it the administrative buildings and whatnot yeah that you yeah. can't get into at first and you have to go round the curve round them possibly as a result of the fact that you spend most of it running flying over it imagine imagine if you spent most of the time in say one of the Grand Theft Auto games flying around you wouldn't feel a sense of scale of the city so much because no. um, ultimately you, you need to get across it much much quicker and ultimately with, with GTA you have a choice between on foot uh, in a car and occasionally in some sort of crazy vehicle but um, but in this, you're just kind of just bat roping and gliding as much as you possibly can to get to a new place. Although the advantage of that is you never feel lost. You can always sort of pick out a landmark True. and you know where you are. And with the music, it always feels epic and sweeping and huge and like massive events are taking place. Uh, let's face it, most of the time you spend gliding because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Although and trying to get that one, that stupid riddle achievement that's five metres above the water is a pain. That's an, it's a nice change from the fact that in Asylum you spend your time running through corridors and going through doorways and, and feeling very trapped all the time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with another game to maybe balance those two out. Because, mm. I mean, there's plenty of sort of running through buildings in, in City as well. But I think the overall feel of City, when you think of City, you think of the actual... The, the, the vast outer world yeah. specifically the internal sections you like the steel mill and GCPD yeah. and things like that yeah 
and they're just going down by the harbour and trying to avoid the water when you're gliding around. Characters. We've got a lot of characters to cover here, so we can't go too in-depth into any of them. Bear in mind, a lot of them we've already covered in other shows. Um, Batman in these games is presented as comics version of, of Batman, in terms of, of how he acts and behaves. Yeah, a little bit of the comic, a little bit of the animated series in him. Mm, yeah. Well, obviously, the animated series is definitely helped by the fact that it's... <laughs> Kevin Conroy, the yeah. wonderful <laughs> Kevin Conroy doing that. I'm so glad he got to voice these before retiring. I don't know when he's going to do that, but it's coming soon. And ditto uh, um, Mark Hamill's Joker. He's like a, a more scratchy, more violent, let's face it... Um, and a little bit more filthy version of the Mark Hamill Joker we've seen in the uh, animated series so often. And, yeah, he, he's more murderous, too. He, he actually tends to, to play with the notion that, that he's going to be killing or maiming or hurting people and just just playing with you, because he's so often in your head and talking to you, uh, the, uh, the, the constant tormentor in these games. He's the Espec second most important character. Especially in the first one, and it's not I missed when we got to, to City, but in the first game, when you usually encounter a room with guys patrolling, he's on the PA system. Yeah. And he's... I know he's not particularly trash-talking you. It's almost like he's trash-talking his own henchmen. Yeah, trying yeah. to make them more yeah. scared of you. I miss that in the main game of uh, yeah. City. It's sort of in there if you do the Riddler challenges and it's the Riddler doing it, but it's not as good as it is when it's the Joker just winding the hell out of people. On the other hand, because it's finally Joker on the back foot and he's scared and he's ill and he's actually dependent on Batman, it creates a whole new dynamic we've not seen before. So rather than just retreading the same ground as Asylum, they're giving us something new and that specifically develops in those moments when you have to interact with him. Yeah, it, I mean, we didn't actually go much into the plot of the second one because it's a little confusing because there's two stories going off. You've got the old Joker storyline and you've got the strange storyline. But yeah, Joker is utterly dependent on you. Harley Quinn, in the first game, I don't know how long she's been in the comics, but this is a slightly older, slightly more filthy... <laughs> Yeah. Of, of Harley Quinn that we've seen uh, all these years in the animated series. I didn't like the way she looked in the first game. In that reason, I that, that she the was just like bit. yeah, it's like oh, she's a bit skanky nurse. <laughs> Definitely the point. <laughs> and this would like, make more sense in the next game. Yes. Yeah, I suppose. But so. she does it's, look a lot better in the next game. Mannequin in the next game. Yeah. So she looks better in the next game, you think? I think she looks better in the sort of corsety top thing. She, it's not quite Harley as you know her, but mm. it's a bit better. 
It's yeah. probably the better look for her because I'm not too fond of the way she looks in Suicide Squad either. Well, she's much more obviously she's much more fun in the animated series, and she's she's never really actually all that threatening. But in this, she actually comes off as a, a little bit unhinged. Well, yeah, she's supposed to. She's she comes off unhinged in the uh, animated series, but in a sinister way in this. Yeah. But she, interestingly enough, has the accolade of being the only female in any of these games uh, who's actually really done quite a good service. Uh, Riddler, again, is a... Uh, you never really see him until... In the first game, you don't see him at all. In the second game, there, if you collect all the trophies... It's not yes. all, it's, it's four... It's oh, four, four, four hundred. But that's a lot. That's a lot yes, yes. That's a lot of trophies. You get a genius achievement for that if uh, if you do, and uh, uh, you yeah you do see him in a bit, and and they've made him into much more of a um, jigs- jigsaw. Jigsaw, yeah, yeah, that's actually a problem I have with that. It's like yeah. really they, they sort of go the jigsaw route with him in. Yeah. Riddler's not supposed to be in Arkham City. Yeah, Hugo Strange didn't exactly want him there. He yeah. just turned up. Basically, Riddler keeps calling him up, taunting him, saying, oh, I've got this Riddler, I'm going to find, I'm going to beat Batman my own way rather than you. Mm. But one thing that does set him off is Hugo knows who Batman is, and that's the ultimate riddle that the Riddler wants to know. Ah, okay. See, the, I don't see how Riddler could beat Batman in his own way, as far as he's concerned. If, he, if Riddler wins, Batman's left standing on a street, street corner, scratching his head, going, <laughs> no idea how to find that trophy. Uh, yeah, I got you. Totally burn, Batman. Okay, so have I got a time limit on this? No. So basically, <laughs> if you get tired before I do, then I win. Yes. You're not going to leave at any point? (laughs) The Riddler is is a great, maybe a secondary antagonist to the Joker in terms of the fact that he's ever-present throughout these games and he is key to all of the hidden stuff in there. He's the one that keeps you looking for hidden treasure. It's a great idea. Uh, Victor Zaz, um, (laughs) who's the guy who likes to cut himself and and stab people, Uh, played with not much subtlety. He's not a subtle character, though, is he? No. I guess. No. He enjoys killing people. Because yep. he crops up twice in the first one, once to teach you how to sort of be stealthy, uh, once in the, out of the, the, the office. To teach yeah. you how to shoot round corners. Yeah. And yeah. he's a side mission in... Arthur City. City. Yeah. Um, show up in one of the Nolan movies as well. He, I was just about to say that <laughs> yeah. in my notes. Uh, he's, uh, he's that guy with the beard who, who uh, looks particularly scary, who gets out of Arkham when all the fear gas is going off, and I think he goes and tries to kill Joffrey. He almost did it! But, Do you know uh, who plays him? Uh, Tim Booth. Yes. Who's Tim S- Booth? Singer for James. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> from the 90s. Slight little tidbit. See, this is how you know I've played Arkham City quite a lot. Mm. Um... The reason why, I believe, the reason why Penguin has the glass bottle in his eyes, because when Zaz was younger, when he, before he got, became the murderous person, he was gambling a lot in one of Pen- Penguin's casinos. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Was, this was the, on those phone calls. Yeah, yeah. Carry on, no, carry on. He, he's the person who smashed the glass bottle into Penguin's eye. You know, we'll talk about Penguin in just a sec, but that explains quite a lot. I, I always thought the bottle was there just because he didn't have a monocle. But okay. yeah. Well, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, just just uh, finish off with I mean, we've already talked about Scarecrow done extremely effectively the, the best that the Scarecrow has ever been even possibly outstripping the wonderful Killian Murphy in Batman Begins because um, you get to see the Scarecrow at his absolute most terrifying yeah. uh, and he I mean Killian Murphy while he is a fantastic actor comes off as a smidgen smug in uh, uh, Batman Begins just a little yeah ultimately this Scarecrow seems almost insurmountable like he could mess with your head till you go insane. But I mean, Killian Murphy was still excellent, but this is just that much more. I mean, you got this is a scarecrow that's actually dealt with Batman before. Yeah. But ultimately, um, he feels like something that could actually turn up in your dreams and would scare the living crap out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, ultimately, Murphy's character does get there at times when he puts on his sack. Mm. But that's usually through the aid of the gas, like when yeah. he, he gets Falcone. Okay, so Scarecrow, Croc. Uh, I, re- I really don't mind the fact they bought him up because he is scary yes. as hell. Yes. One of the best things they did is that, that you didn't go directly against him. Because mm. Croc is literally a powerhouse. Yeah. He should be able to tear Batman apart if he ever actually gets his hands on him. And Claws. you actually face him in Arkham Asylum in his element in a swampy, water-filled area. And he knows where you are, but you don't know where he is. Yeah, and that's one of the highlights of the game, definitely. They've shown him near the start, of the, well, right at the start of the game as well. Yeah. yeah. Helps, because you know what it is. And the, 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 that bit's so fantastic, because you're kind of stuck standing in Batman's shoes, and you can look around the room, so when you look at Croc coming out of the lift, and he stares straight <laughs> at you... And you I flipped a bit. Holy <laughs> trombone! And he's just... And 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 there's also a bit you can get that's slightly optional is uh, I think it's after you come out the the back cave. You can walk up to a door. You can't Mm. go through it and he just bangs against the the door and that that, that makes you go... I will find you. Yeah. Lurking in the sewers of Arkham City. So yeah, that that made Croc. I mean, when I went back and watched some Croc episodes of the animated series, I was like, he's not all that scary, frankly. Did anyone find the Easter egg of him in City? No. Yeah. What happens there? It's when you dive down the broken pipe into the sewers in the mm-hmm. steel mill. You run along and there's a button you can hit. And I can't remember how I did it, but you hit it often enough when you're infected. He comes bursting through the wall. Yeah. He's like, you're not worth it because you stink of death. Nice. Okay. Um, and then after him, there's Ivy. Ivy is twinned with a big, long chunk of the uh, uh, Arkham Asylum, the Botanical Gardens, where I think if any point in Arkham Asylum began to maybe outstay its welcome with me, it was this. Mm. Too many plants. <laughs> He's... I hate the look of Ivy in this and all. It's very, I will say, fan service Because mm. basically all she's wearing in Asylum is, what, the, the prison jacket and... It's not even a jacket, it's a little shirt. It's what made days of it. Pants. Yes. It's like, could we maybe get her more naked than that? <laughs> it seriously is. It's like, Jesus, you thought the one in the animated series was skimpy. Yeah, no, yeah. I suppose she's she's very similar to the, the Jim Lee one, only the Jim Lee one in Hush looks at least like a human being who's gone green and is still really beautiful. This looks like a demented tree sprite. Yeah. <laughs> still hot, but... Um, someone that you, you wouldn't even think twice about kissing because you'd be like, nope, I will catch all kinds of weird natural diseases from <laughs> Although, this. Although, I do like the beat in Asylum where Quinn lets her out. 
It's, it mm. always makes me think of the episodes where those two are teamed up together. Yes, yeah. Harley and Ivy. They work very well in the animated series, specifically because Ivy is a terrible, terrible fusspot, and Harley is Chaos Incarnate. Harley! Ah! You have to help me. Ivy? Gee, you look like crap. Maybe I can seek you some shampoo. The plants, can't you hear them? They're crying out to me in agony. Yeah, well, I barely don't have time for this. Please let me out. They'll die without me. I don't know, Red. You're not on Mr. J's party list. Oh, well. Uh, please! Uh, ah, what the heck. I'll cut you a break. That feels so much better. I could watch those two all day. What a riot. And speaking of riots, here's a bit of civil unrest I cooked up just for you. That's pretty much all of the main villains in the first one. I've left out um, the depiction of Jim Gordon, because he's hardly in it, really. Uh, Oracle is mainly depicted by audio, so she's not really characterised much. Bane is just there to sort of smash through walls. And then... I thought Bane is better characterised in um, Arkham City, where he actually talks to you for a bit. And it comes off as more than just muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all you're doing in Asylum is you beat him because he teaches you how to... Basically, he's the tutorial on how you eat Titan thugs. And the yeah, Batman yeah. sends the car into him. Yeah. Um, so then if we start on the characters from the beginning of Arkham City... Ooh, the game, if you've paid for the DLC, or if you've got, you know, got a brand new copy, starts with Catwoman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we can now talk about that if you guys want... The trouble is, Catwoman's always sort of been a a sexy character on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. She's yep. just sort of Frank Miller-esque Catwoman, I think, in this. But really? No, I think it, uh, when you say Frank Miller, that includes year one, where she wasn't just sexy for the sake of it. I mean, she was still just okay, like a hostile... Let me correct myself, then. Crazy yeah. Frank Miller. Yes. <laughs> That's more like it. Crazy Frank Miller, all women are whores, Frank Miller. But I, I, I like Catwoman. Yes, her look is definitely over sexy, but I like the attitude and stuff because that feels like she is, you know, very confident. Out sure there. of herself. Yeah, that's it. Probably slightly over sexualized, but <laughs> it's not too bad a depiction of the character. Yeah. It's not bad as the sexualization that they do in the, uh, what is it, DC showcase Catwoman? Oh, yeah, well, she's doing that goddamn strip for no real reason. Yeah. Okay, she's not the worst depicted female in video games. That's not saying anything. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking Ivy from Soul Calibur at this point. She's not as... She looks a hell of a lot better than she did in MK versus DC. Mm. Jesus Christ. They, they gave her breasts the size of footballs. It was ridiculous. Oh, that's what you oh, meant by footballs. I went. I immediately jumped to the <laughs> I was like, what do you mean football? Oh, that kind Because of, I was thinking American football. No, our football. <laughs> that would be weird. They're, they're pretty huge. But at the same time, I mean, there is a really plunging 
neckline yeah. on her in this, and 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 the, the little collar, which has actually been done a lot in the comics as well. She's got a little collar on I there. I do like her. Apart from the plunging neckline, her design is good though. I do like it. Well, it's pretty much the same as it was in Hush. Yeah. Um, but in Hush, she'd zip the neckline up to her the the top, and it just the little zip became the the collar. And so you didn't get the big, these are my breasts, just in case you didn't notice. And also in Hush, she wears um, very, very small heels, like flats. They're, they're kind of like boots. And she looks a lot more agile. In this, the bugbear that I always bitch about with kick-ass females, stiletto heels. Yeah. And she's not just kicking out, she's climbing buildings. And I've said this about Catwoman before, those are the least practical footwear when you come to climb a building. At least with the video game, it's sort of like a video game logic. You can sort of pass it off as that, but it is stupid. Make sure that I get one this one right. I'm not complaining that Catwoman is sexy in this game. She's fine. That's not a problem. When you press the R trigger for Batman and he sort of hunkers down and he runs along, you know, crouched down, he looks like ready for action. When Catwoman, you press RT, she gets onto all fours and little sort of sashes along, wiggling her bum in the air as if to say, come and get me, boys. But that is sort of the attitude she's got. Well, yeah, she's a cat, so it kind of... Although, can we have a... It's also a mechanic. And, and, you know, just little asides, like saying, ooh, i got to get my toys, otherwise I'll be naked without them. Heads or tails, kitty cat. Which one lets me out of here alive? Not this one. Time to die. I vote for a stay of execution. No gun harm? Shame. This is gonna hurt. Two guns, bitch! And I thought it was cats who have nine lives. How's it hanging, Harv? Come to Kitty. Anyone ever tell you that you're full of surprises? I figured you could use my help, Selena. You're right. I think I chipped a nail back there. You're not safe here. No one is. Nine lives, remember? I, yeah, it is bad, but it again... It doesn't feel like a character as they show sure. her. But then again, I've never really liked Catwoman as it is. But she's, she's kind of a core part of the game. She keeps popping up, but she doesn't actually serve it in any way. She's yeah. just a really gorgeous bit of shelf candy. It, the Catwoman she's DLC... more of a plot device, to be honest. Mm. The Catwoman DLC is like the Harley Quinn's Revenge DLC. They're like little episodes that take place in there. So it, oh, is that right? Yeah, that's how it feels to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that bugs me just about Catwoman is... What type of Catwoman do we have in this one? Is she a normal person that's a truly skilled thief? Or, or is she supernatural? Because yeah. it's... it's the, some of it makes sense, but some of the leaps she makes and the ability to, to jump to the ceiling on certain floor types, I'll grant you, mm. is a bit like, was that supernatural or normal? Because she doesn't... It's not like Batman. You know, Batman is a billionaire. He has Toys. R&D department. <laughs> well, he has an R&D department that can... Figure the shit out like the bat launcher, the bat claw. Yet mm. the woman Catwoman does all this herself. Yeah, I think it is the thief thing. It's just she because she's been a thief for so long. She's got enough money to buy these things. Maybe she maybe. can cling to ceilings. <laughs> it, it feels like uh, it's a gameplay. We just need to ch- mm. make her gameplay drastically different from Batman. Yes. Yeah, it, she is fun to fight with though. 
Okay, yeah. so when scratching and kicking and whipping guys, it's it's a nice change from being Batman. And, Except uh, for her yeah. quick takedown is slow. Is that right? <laughs> you yeah. Know what? I can't remember much. It's, she's actually only really a small part of the game when it comes down to it, but she just feels like she's key to it. They slather her all over the um, uh, promotional material. That, that was part of the problem where everybody was up in arms about some people didn't get the Catwoman DLC because it was so advertise mm. that when people found out it wasn't part of the main game mm. they got upset the other thing and this is kind of this leads on to the depressing aspect of it I mean ultimately everything about Catwoman is a little bit seedy but the attitudes to Catwoman uh, very much immediately when you stop playing Batman where they're like we're going to smash your head in um, with Catwoman their uh, appetites of every one of these homunculus you know meatheads appear not everyone, but pretty much like a good half of them are like, uh, we're going to make this kitty purr. <laughs> yeah, just, just kind of really slightly distressing, rapey advances of, of most of her attackers. Luckily, you don't get to play her too much. The other thing that, uh, that many people, including Film Crit Hulk, took extreme exception to, it, it's not just that she gets called a bitch, because she does, and that wasn't in the first game. There was no just sort of casual referring to uh, women as bitch. I think there might, maybe, someone referred... Actually, no, hang on. Yeah, Harley does get called a bitch in the first game, because I think at one point someone says, you know, you and that witch. And I'm like, oh, they held off on bitch there. And then later on, someone calls her bitch. I'm like, oh, I guess they didn't held off on bitch. But they changed it around so maybe it wasn't just bitch followed by bitch. In this, it's bitch followed by bitch. And then a few minutes later, you'll hear bitch again. And really, I think I may have only heard it about 12 times in the game, maybe, maybe 20 but it's enough that eventually you're like, dude, enough with the bitch. It's, it's, it's in there a lot, but again, I wonder if that's more a limitation of the game, because the, du- the thugs really do repeat, repeat the dialogue yeah. a lot, so that's probably why you hear it a lot. But at the same time, when it came to game testing, did no one say, guys, they say bitch a lot, does that, ne- does that, does that need to be there? Now, people have made arguments of that's how criminals talk, and I refer you to my previous well, the point that Film Crit Hulk made, that not... All criminals talk like that. Well, it, it's, it's more funny. this type of criminal, this. Well, it's funny also when you think about it in the games, there is no women really. There's very few female characters at mm-hmm. all. There's no I female character. Get, get called bitch at some point. Or get kidnapped or killed. You know, there's yeah. a couple of these sort of C list characters, if you will. You know, like the doctor that comes up with the Titan formula in the first mm-hmm. one and a couple of doctors. Yeah. In the second one, but there really is no female. There's very few female. You have got Catwoman, Ivy Quinn. There's That's two it. female doctors that I can remember in this game, and yeah. both times Batman saves them and says, "You should hide," because that's all really that women who aren't superpowered are good for—just hiding and uh, being oh, oh. called bitch, maybe. Oh, no, sorry, I forgot Vicky Vale as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she, he also says, "You should hide." Mm-hmm. And actually, Talia is. Oh, yes. A bit more of a character. Yeah. I forgot about Talia, but yeah. I forgot about her completely. However, she is again hyper-sexualized in a way that it's like she's walking away, the camera just sort of shimmies down to her ass, and it's like, look at her ass, boys. Have you ever seen an ass like that? I bet you like to eat lunch off that ass. It's like, yeah, okay, we get it. Talia's hot. And she does kind of come off as a bit more than just one-dimensional, but she doesn't get off two-dimensional. She doesn't get... Yeah, she gets <laughs> off better than perhaps Ivy, but not as good as Quinn. All right, okay, let me just jump to 
the film crit Hulk thing and just go to the arguments that people made uh, in defense of the constant use of the term bitch. He did an article on it and then got a torrent of abuse. He also got a torrent of people going, yeah, good point, uh, but a torrent of personal abuse. And he's listed his top 20 um, excuses that people have made, or oh, sorry, arguments that people have made in favor of these. Um, one, that's how psychopathic criminals would act. Again, as I said, not all of them. Argument two, it's trying to be realistic and how realism means gritty for some reason. Right. As I said before, it is hyper-stylized. It's more realistic than a cartoon, but... Less realistic it, than Nolan. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing you'd actually expect to see on the street. You, wouldn't, you would never think, this is a documentary, isn't it? I'm actually watching a documentary here about criminals. <laughs> Argument number three, you're advocating censorship. There are other ways you can convey an unpleasant character than simply using that word. This is not me getting all up in arms about the word bitch. It's just, I didn't even really think about it too much when I was playing the game, but it just, it slowly began to seep in. And I was thinking, what bothers me about this? And I kind of managed, I focused it all on like how people were referring to Catwoman. But then when I watched the um, cutscenes with Sharon the other day, all in one go, Catwoman was called a bitch by Two-Face. And then less than two minutes later, Harley Quinn was called a bitch by someone else. And this other person was a cop, someone that's supposed to be a good guy. So it's like, well, maybe cops can be this much a bunch of assholes as well. Argument number four, you're getting pissed about this. It's not a big deal. There are so many bigger deals in the world. Someone is getting raped right now. True. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. That's not what this blog is about. Trial argument. Argument number five, you're just a prude. That's not the case with Film Grit Hulk or me. Argument number six, it's just aiming at a target audience. That is making excuses. Argument number seven, you're like, oh no, it's the children, but it's the parents' responsibility. They marketed the shit out of this game to children on Nickelodeon. It's also the parents' responsibility. They should not buy their kids this game. It's marketed T for Teen, and most of it's actually not too bad, which means that they could actually just have not put this in there, and it would still have been a fine, perfect game. Alex, you're English. It's 15. Yeah, it's 15. (laughs) 15 in this country, sorry. But I'm talking about about where it was originally put out in the old place that matters to most distributors, the US of A. Argument number eight, you must not read comics because dot, dot, dot. Turns out Film Crit Hulk has been reading comics for quite a while. He has a Marvel no prize. Seeing as he, you know, bills himself as Film Critic Hulk, I think the clue was in the title. I've got to get this guy on because he's very insightful. Um, Argument number nine, logic versus tone versus content. I'm not going to go into that ultimately, but people were arguing that it was logical for people to behave like this in this game. Uh, Argument ten, girls fighting bad things equals feminism. This is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Argument number eleven, but sexuality is totally an element of Catwoman. True. That is very true. True. We argued that ourselves, but we also did say it was overdone. And also not necessarily an excuse for specific attitudes towards females in this game. Argument number 12, but Catwoman would do this. Batman is like this, and Two-Face is like that. You're talking about them like they're real people! This is a choice of artists and writers and how they get these guys to behave. They're not going, well, we've got to make them behave like this, otherwise it won't be coherent with their characters. What about in the animated series? They managed to get by and totally be true to their characters in that. 
Argument number 13. You, sir, are insane with this Harley slash Batman shoving thing. He pointed out that it seems like Batman really likes shoving Harley into a closet or down or something like that. It's not specifically that Batman does. Batman doesn't exist. It's that the writers seem to get a kick out of Batman being purposefully, like, overly aggressive with Harley. I'm going to say it quiet or Papa Spank. Indeed. Argument number 14. It's not sexist. It's lazy. Yes, that's what sexism is. It's being lazy because you can't be bothered to actually think of something that's actually a bit more textured, something some real yeah. that requires some genuine input. And argument 15, video games aren't sexist. That bullshit. is... Utter, <laughs> utter bullshit. Argument 16, okay, fine, they're sexist. But so is the whole world. Yes, and 50 years ago, right. the whole world was a lot more racist than it is now. It took people standing up and going, I'm a Newton bitter, maybe don't be such a fucking racist, for people's attitudes to slowly change. It requires people to stand up and create dialogue and actually say, this isn't on, to actually change things. And, and just saying, well, it's never going to change. It's bollocks, and it's bullshit, and it's, it's allowing this to proliferate. Argument 17, whatever, it's just a video game. <laughs> Uh, th- that makes me so insane, I'm not even going to carry on. Uh, argument 18. You're... <laughs> y- no, you're the one who is sexist, retard, jerk. Arkham City is awesome, you're a fag. I have yet to play Arkham City, but it is te- awesome! It is important to note, this is a big deal we have made about roughly 4% of one of these two games. We've devoted far more time to it, than it, to it than it requires. However, when it comes down to it, this is actually an important issue in video games in general. And it's really nice to be able to highlight this one portion of the game and say, look, guys, if you just looked at this in development, tweaked it a bit here and there, removed every use of the term bitch except maybe once in a premeditated cutscene and made it shocking and like, whoa, okay, easy now. And and maybe made Catwoman a bit more like, I don't know, Eliza Dushku in Buffy and a bit less like Bayonetta without the irony. <laughs> then, uh, like Crazy Frank's writing her? Yeah, like Crazy Frank. Dirty Frank. Then... Uh, I don't know, it's, ultimately, it's just, it's clean-up, it's polish, it, it's making, it's getting the grot out of your game. And it really is only a small portion of this game. Um, but it sticks in the mind. And I remember Leah Haydu pointing out that, ooh, not really enjoying playing as Catwoman. Well, a few too many rape threats for me today. And, and Sharon herself mentioned, uh, apropos of no, no one mentioning this to her at all, all the women in this game seem to be either super sexy or useless, or super sexy and, and useless. useless. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that as well, actually, to be honest. And, and, and she's quite insightful, Sharon, sometimes. So, um, yeah, I'm going I'm to defer to her judgment when it comes to uh, the depiction of women in, in uh, video games in general. Well, the funny thing is, you know, with the DLC that they released, they released Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Robin. Robin. Mm-hmm. Where's the final member of the Bat family? Where's Bat- Batgirl? Well, she's in the, she's in the wheelchair. wheelchair. <laughs> no, that's Oracle. There's been at least two other Batgirls. Well, you've been like Sandra Kane, Batgirl, or Batwoman, isn't she? Uh, the Sandra Kane is Batwoman, and the was it? There's a Stephanie, Stephanie Brown. Stephanie yeah. Brown was also. So there is there is plenty of Batgirls. There's two at least. Although at from. that point, yeah, you know, if you're going by it being based on the comics, at least one of them was dead at the time. 
there is an overly theatrical sense to this world, and, and everyone is kind of like hyper stylized, and that, that's fine. That is that's fine. I have I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the fact that Catwoman is basically a big slut, but. <laughs> But it would have been nice if there had been one character. I mean, ultimately, yeah, Oracle is actually a really great female character. Maybe focus a bit more on Oracle at some point. <laughs> Maybe because the reason she is, she only appears in voice. Yeah. I mean, they, they could have been a bit where Batman had to rescue Oracle or something. Or that's even worse. Maybe Oracle you know, talks Batman out of a really terrible situation because she's just that smart. Well, she, she's she, she, she sort of does that because she keeps him focused when... Um when he's got the cure, he wants to immediately go off and do something, and she goes, no, take it to freeze. Yeah, that is true. She is a great character. I just, I, I kind of wish she'd been done a bit more service in this game, and uh, I, I would imagine she's not going to be in the next game, because it's Silver Age, isn't it? So She might actually appear as Batgirl. Yeah, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, okay, that, that might be fun. But then again, they'll... I wonder what they'll... You know what? We'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> so, Batman. You here for the cops, or me? I was only here for the hostages, but now I'm taking you down too. <laughs> Look around you. This horrible bunch of psychopaths are all begging to join up with me. But unfortunately for them, I only take the best. And today, best means whoever can kill you. Welcome to hell! I've got a little surprise for you down there. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. Right, Penguin. <laughs> Nolan <laughs> North. Right, now I will say this. There is too much Nolan North in this game. <laughs> it, there was one point where Penguin was talking over the loudspeaker going, if anyone sees Batman, I want you to put a bullet between his little bat eyes. And the cop that Nolan North was playing, who you've just rescued, because he's been kidnapped by Nolan North, is talking <laughs> to you and saying, oh, Batman, we'll, we'll watch the suit here. Yeah, good job. And it's like, they actually talk over each other. And I thought, like, wow, too much Nolan North. And then when you're jumping around between buildings, Nolan North's talking in your speaker, not even disguising the fact that he's Nolan North. He just sounds like a nasty Drake going, hey, have you seen the big man recently? He looks sick. And it's like, just... Too much knowledge. If it had just been the Penguin, that would have been perfect, because he is excellent as Penguin. Further proof that they are just abusing Nolan North now. Yeah. They are the voice actors. Stop employing Nolan North quite so much. Given the, given the juicy roles, that's what he needs. I think it was Mafia 2 where you could hear two thugs played by Nolan North discussing another character played by Nolan North <laughs> whilst Nolan North drove past. Oi. That he like, everybody in that did, game. Did you go have to go through a little doorway and you get end up in Nolan North's head and then everyone in a restaurant is Nolan North? Nolan North! Nolan North! <laughs> it's pretty much that. Brilliant. Um, hang on, you were going to say nowhere near as good as, or was, was that... No, like, nowhere near as bad as Mafia Nowhere near as bad as, right. Okay, so Penguin. Sharon said, is Cobblepot actually his name then? Because I thought that that was just something Tim Burton made up. No. That is how prevalent Tim Burton's shitty Penguin is. People don't know the real Penguin. I say the real Penguin, the comic Penguin, the animated series Penguin. He hasn't been in a significant piece of media, so people can really get his character. And this one is a real perversion of what Penguin's been up till now. He's supposed to be really posh and effete and, 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 and smoke a little thing and excellent, excellent, 
And, and this one's like an East End bother boy. Yeah. But it's still closer. It's great fun. Yeah. And, and, and I it's, like his uh, new backstory as well. What's what's his backstory? Essentially, um, when his family went bankrupt, he went back to England, mm. where he stayed in the East End, made a bit of money, made a name for himself, came back to America, opened up some casinos, and then um, I think Bruce Wayne, uh, what was he bought out one, like exposed him or something like that, mm. meaning he lost a lot of his money. Then he finally managed. When he when Hugo Strange approached him in Arkham City, he gave him like the old aquarium museum, I think it is, and allowed him to set it up like a club and whatnot. Mm. Also, he has my favourite um, Riddler trophy thing. What happens in that? He's got the stuffed hyenas. Yeah. Oh yes. He's got Joker's hyenas, if you remember from the animated series, and he's got them stuffed in a case. Nice. Because I do like that. Because um. Penguin refused to let the Joker into his club in Arkham City, so the Joker killed one of his henchmen, and then Penguin got one of got Harley's hyenas. Yeah, you really get the sense that these thugs, these criminals, the the super criminals, the ones on on Batman's rogues gallery, are actually at war with one another, specifically in City. These factions. One of the main things they did is because Hugo Strange is in, is is involved, he's pitted. Practically everybody against everybody else. Mm. Which makes sense, because, I mean, a lot of the time when you're going between the Bowery and the Amusement Mile, it, you're hearing the radio chatter, like, Two-Face's goons talking about attacking Penguin's goons, and then yeah. this chatter about Joker's goons attacking Two-Face's goons. And At one point, you have to save some Joker goons from being killed by Penguin's goons, I think. It would have been nice to see some, like, groups of, of thugs wandering the streets and end up wandering into each other and starting a small turf war. It would have felt more organic and not just pockets of, of combat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, uh, the other thing I really like about Penguin, aside from the fact that he's got a little voice like this now, which is completely different, and that is actually stretching Nolan North a bit, because you would not know that was him. Mm-hmm. No. Um, uh, is that they've got his two little affectations, the the, the monocle being the, the the bottom of the bottle that Zaz has glassed him with, which is terrifying. Yeah. Just to think of that. that uh, it's, so deep in, it's so deep in his eye that if it's pulled out, it will destroy the nerves in his face. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so yeah, there's that. And also the fact that Bruce Wayne breaks his left hand at the beginning, yeah. and thus he has it taped up, which makes it resemble a flipper. flipper. Brilliant. Love. So, yeah, that was a really great bit of design choice there. Um, Freeze as well. It's interesting. He starts out like not dissimilar to Arnold Schwarzenegger Freeze when he's out of his, his, uh, his suit in terms of how he looks and, and, and his slight patheticness. But then it's a slow, gradual step up to you know, becoming more powerful until he is eventually the Terminator version of Freeze with his red eyes stalking you around. And you begin to wonder to yourself... Maybe in some parallel world, Schwarzenegger was the right guy to play Freeze, just with a different yeah. director. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it's, I, I really like the way that Freeze goes from being kind of pathetic to being actually really quite scary. And he also ends up you you get the sense they get across the sense that as long as if you help him get his wife back or any, mm. anything to do with his wife, you're okay in these books. Yeah, because. Basically, Hugo Strange arranged for him to be 
Brungin, he, he actually gets his origin story through in the interview between him and Hugo Strange. Mm-hmm. And Hugo actually says that he keeps blaming Gimli Porter out his faults. Like, if you'd just gone to people with help instead of being selfish, Nora wouldn't be in this situation. She might be healthier. Yeah. And he, as a punishment, he gives Nora to the Joker's goons. Ah. Interestingly enough, that that does relate to Batman. There's two occasions in this game where Batman could just have been nice. Uh, but the the fact that he wasn't asked in a nice way makes him go, no. And ultimately, all Freeze had to say was, please, when you go meet the Joker, try to save my wife. To which Batman would have said, I'll do what I can. But instead he's like, no, I'm keeping this. You must save my wife or I'm not giving it back. And he's like, no, I'm going to fight you, Freeze. Yeah. And it's like, just... It, point, it points out one of Freeze's biggest flaws is that if he was just civil, mm. things would have been so much better for him. But, I mean, how pissy is that on Batman's part? <laughs> he, he would have done it anyway because it's the right well, thing does. to do. Yes, and because Batman's he... such a nice person. <laughs> I'm the goddamn Batman. Look, let's face it, when Robin turns up, he's not exactly... Oh, he is an asshole to Robin. Yeah. yeah. Although, can I just say, I don't know if you'll mention him, that character designer Robin is pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, that too. It's, it, it really makes it seem like this is someone that the, the Tim Drake we all know could be that. From what I've seen of Red Robin, it's not too far removed. No. You can play as Red Robin in the DLC as well. Oh, yeah, it's, it's an extra costume, isn't it? Although I will say the bit that made me laugh, I've got the DLC, Holly's Revenge, and for portions of that, you play as Robin. And you know when you do the explosive gel, Batman does the bat shape, mm. and Robin, Robin does the R. God, that must take even longer. <laughs> It's like, Batman, just do a circle. Your life depends on it. Well, actually, they are smaller, so it's pretty Flashy quick. little git. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, seriously, dude, why are you throwing a bat every single time? No one's even going to see it. It's just going to explode. You don't want them to see it. Anyway, um, I mean, obviously, unlike some of them where you're like, I want them to know before this blows up. The bat did this to them. But sometimes when you're just doing like a quick one, like when I didn't even mention Grundy, voiced by Fred Tattashaw, my favourite voice of the Hulk, he's now playing zombie Hulk as Solomon Grundy in this. He's terrifying. Yeah. Which is completely Called, different to how I know him. I know him as Grundy from sort of Justice League, so I was yeah. like, oh, I'd never even realised he was a Batman villain. He does change personality repeatedly. Every time he dies and comes back, he's different. And it depends what day he comes back on yeah. or something. Yeah, this day he came back and was it's it was Savage Hulk Day. So yeah, he's that. Unfortunately, the actual boss itself is very much sweet with the left hand, sweet with the right, sweet with both hands, and just like you're jumping and diving and diving and jumping, and it's le- it feels like less of a uh, of a fight of outwitting him, especially because as with Arkham Asylum, you have to do the same thing three times, and he falls for it three times, and then you have to do the same thing three times again, and it's pretty much the same same thing three times. Yeah, it's pretty much a warm up for the Clayface fight at the end. Yeah. I do like how Penguin just stumbled upon some Solomon Grundy. <laughs> he was down here when I came. But the, the, also, the other great thing about that is, if you look around, there's little tidbits leading up to him as well. Like, when you're yeah. in the subway station, there's the poster. When you go underground oh, in yes. Wonderworld, there's the, the, there's the newspaper as well, saying mm. that he's wanted for murder. You also get his, um, sort of, a slight peek into his story. Like, he doesn't know who he is, but the reason why he calls him Solomon Grundy is because he heard, when he was revived the next time, he actually heard some people singing that song and just thought it was his name. Yeah. 
Two-Face, as he appears in this, uh, not a fantastic rendition of the character. He just seems like a really violent, homicidal man, and that's it. He's not really on screen much. It just seems like a token. Who haven't we done? Um, Two-Face? Got to put Two-Face in. They had to throw Two-Face in because of the ending of Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, I mean, ultimately, they could have written him better than he is here. There isn't any sense of, of duality to his character. Not really. I mean, ultimately, it's, it kind of falls prey to Batman forever. He just, his, his coin is either immediate death or delayed death. He's sort of just there. There's not a lot. They it's because he, he was part of Catwoman's plot, so they didn't really put much into it. Hey, and he gets to call her a bitch. Yeah, that must have taken them ages to come up with. Two guns, bitch! Clayface, ironically, short on texture. Oh! Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rachel Gould or Ras Al Gould, there is some dispute depending on what you're watching, um, does turn up and. I did I like his appearance in Asylum as well. Yeah. <laughs> How does he appear in Asylum? It's yeah. one of the Riddler trophies mm. in the in the morgue. Oh, yes, as in this grass isn't coming back. How, how, how do you get the trophy? Because I, I, I saw his toe tag. I was like, wait, yeah. where's the Take trophy? a photo of his toe tag. Yeah. Really? That's it? Yeah. But oh, if you go back into that room later in the game, it's gone. the body's not there. Oh, nice. <laughs> this ghoul nice won't be racing <laughs> from the grave anytime soon. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, the, the funny thing with Raish in this game is I think he only exists as they have some sort of scarecrow-like level that's just not as good. Yeah. Because yeah. basically the overarching story with Hugo is that Raz has got um, Hugo to bring Batman to him and try and he's once again Raz Al Ghul's trying to make Batman into his successor make him like him it does seem kind of like well this storyline worked in previous comics so let's just sort of rehash this same thing again and, but the, the, you never really get the feeling that Batman is actually committed to killing a man exactly yeah. which he's not really you know no, not. he's just, he's just the lying yeah. Yeah, that's the Mm. It is sort of the problem with Arkham City that you've got those dual main stories going off of sort of what Raish is up to and Strange, and you've got the Joker sort of interfering with their plans of wanting the cure and that, and that part. The strangest thing is it seems like a, a, a great big social experiment. Yeah. But, but at the same time, he says, right, well, get this done, and then tomorrow the world. And it's like, seriously, you think anyone else is going to allow you to do this shit? Well, that's what he's over loudspeakers or somewhere. He says, and, and next we shall open facilities in Metropolis. He's like, yeah, because Superman's going to be really easy, to <laughs> isn't he? It, it's almost like this could only happen in Gotham. And, and obviously it goes completely pear-shaped. So Strange is out of his gourd. Which is a shame, because actually, throughout most of this game, he seems to genuinely have the upper hand. And because of that incredible Christopher Lee voice that the actor puts on, I believe he also voiced um, Darth Tyrannus in in Clone Wars, he seems to have this charisma and and this sort of sense of puppeteering everything. And you're like, how do I beat this guy? And at the end, you're like, oh, that's how. Okay. You don't treat him. (laughs) Really? One thing I'll, for you. thing I'll recommend for everybody is just look on YouTube and see the interview tapes with him with each villain because mm. it's superb how he seems to manipulate them and knows so much about them, yet so yeah. little. Well, like, the, the original trailer for Arkham City had me so excited. I need details, Captain. Tell me everything about him. 
This will help you. Remember! We thought we had him trapped. But he was waiting for us. Target in sight, Dino One. Extraordinary, isn't he? You knew! You knew we couldn't take him down! You knew we were no match for him! Yes, but soon we will be. This is merely one more twist of the knife to test him. Who sent you? You go strange. So, you know my name. Good. Because I know everything about you. Your darkest secret. Your ultimate weakness. I know you are Bruce Wayne. Wow! Yeah. It, it genuinely felt like this was going to really mess with Batman, and it kind of doesn't. No. Not really. No. Like Batman just goes, I had my fingers crossed. Well, the thing is, they, they do things in this game that I hate it when they do. What? For example? Uh, I know you're still going through the characters, but slightly with spoiler warning, when they kill off... How many characters did they kill off? Four Okay, hang on. okay let's just say, uh, from this point onwards, folks, we're going to really be going into spoiler territory, so you don't want to hear from now on. From now on, we can talk about characters that actually straight out die. Which is, they kill, what, four people in this? They kill Strange, Talia, Joker, Joker. and Raish. Raish. And possibly Clayface. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. It's, it's like the movie things where they kill the villains. Burton. And then... Schumacher. You just killed... Nolan. Joker. <laughs> you, another one I don't mind because it sort of works, but you know what I mean? Where they just randomly out and out... Like Spider-Man. Spider-Man 1. Where they just yeah. out and out kill Goblin. And Spider-Man 2. And 3. <laughs> but and you know what I'm saying? is you know, where they out and out... It's fucking neat, isn't it? It's not just that. It's... You've just taken the nemesis of Batman out. Mm. for any future games now unless you go haha he wasn't dead after all the balance of chaos to Batman's supreme order yeah, yeah. I actually I, I, I like I actually kind of like that they went there to be honest I was going to say I, I really like that because we never really get to see it apart from like if anywhere the Joker yeah. and if the credits any, obviously yeah. that was awesome <laughs> yes just Joker singing only you to you only you. I'm going to. Why do I sound like Stewie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting that at the very end of this one. But yeah, and the thing that really gets me about that is not that song. It's the fact that Joker starts off sending you messages while you're underground, and you can't receive or reply to any of the messages. And he starts off trying to mess with you, and and then saying, "I'm, I'm going to kill these people." Blah, blah blah blah. And eventually, he's like, "You've got to respond to me, Batman." And eventually, he's like, "Okay, fine." I need you, okay? And, and it's like you're finally seeing desperation in the Joker. You've never seen that before. It's pulling out new emotions from him. I think that's great. And it actually it still seems congruent with the character. <clears throat> and all, depending on whether they're going to do many, many more of these games in this storyline, it's actually okay to kill him in this. Also on the Joker, did any of you see the twist before it actually was revealed to you? <clears throat> The, the Clayface switcheroo. Yeah. No, and the, I didn't they see telegraph it, it in the fun house. Yeah. And, and you don't pick it up first time round. Once you know it, you know what you're looking for. But it's so telegraphed 
left in the uh, the funhouse. You're like, how did I not notice that? When he's doing it in the mirror, what I wanted to know is how he did that in the mirror. Because I was thinking, is that a trick of the? Obviously, it's some sort of trick. I don't know why that is, but but yeah, it, it, it's the it's it's a, there's a ballet thing that's like that where the there's, it's two people mm. and the dancer in the mirror copies the dancer that's meant to be in front of the mirror. That's what they're doing there. It's a neat moment, yeah. And, and it's once you re, once you know the twist and you go back and see that, and you're like, oh. But before that, it's like it's there. Yeah. And if you, you notice it, you see it. And if you don't, you don't. But I don't get why he's doing it. Because Batman would have saved him. Just stop fucking yeah. with him. I think it's the Joker. I don't think he's just he's his not. He can't not. He can't not do that. That's the problem. I just had this idea. I had to do it even if it kills me. Uh, one of the takes for Hugo Strange. Because Hugo is actually quite obsessed with the Joker as well. He really wants to know how the Joker became who he is. And he... The Joker does the whole thing of the backstory about how he used to work at Falcone's chemical house. He was giving mm. a big glass red bowl to put on his head and he fell into the vat of chemicals. And yeah. what Hugo said is, I've heard 27 different accounts of your past, but only one thing is prevalent in all of them, and it's Batman. Okay, but the other people that get killed, mm. for a start, Rachel Gould being killed is meaningless. Yeah. We, I mean, in the Nolan films, it's like, okay, well, they probably don't want to get Neil Neeson back. That's fine. I, I don't know if he's going to... I'm going to sound pretty stupid if he's in Batman Rises. Yeah, really. But um, stupid. ultimately, in the comics, Killing Ray Selgul, you're like, okay, well, well, I guess... I wonder when he's going to be back. But he actually... It's like they're falling, and, and he, he... He commits seppuku in midair. Why? It's like he double kills himself and well, then is impaled on a spike. I think he was trying to kill Batman. And yeah, he was. Really? No, oh, okay. Well, I think Batman was trying to save him. He's quite tapped in the head from coming back from the dead quite a few too many times. Yeah, he's, he's like 600 years old and crazy. But, uh, but him dying is just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Even his daughter dying is like, well, I wonder that's... if someone's going to get her to a, a Lazarus pit or something. That's, the, I, that's one thing that I didn't quite like is Talia dying just like the Joker managed to sneak up behind her mm. this is supposed to be um, the, the daughter of Razal Ghul, a trained assassin mm. and the Joker snuck up on her mm. isn't she pretty much the leader of the assassins in the- yeah that's the thing yeah. because as Sharon hot. said super hot and useless <laughs> and she's meant to be a badass assassin I mean, it's, it's fine, whatever. I, yeah. Again, though, it's kind of a meaningless death. It's just like, oh. And I, I couldn't even think about it until after I'd finished again. I was like, oh, I, I guess Talia really is dead then. Oh, okay. I wonder if they'll bring her back for the sequel. Because, again, Lazarus Pits. You can pretty much undo anything with those things. Strange. Why kill Strange? He's a character! It's such a meaningless death. It's pointless. And with an explosion, and uh, does he also stab him? He gets stabbed and then and the exploded. Yeah, that happened to Rasputin as well. Either way, but I mean, at, since the death of Superman, I'm using death in inverted commas here, yeah. comic book deaths have been cheapened all to hell. And you can extend that to video game series if they, get, if they carry on. So, but at the same time, if they'd made each of those deaths throughout the game really like significant moments... And had Batman have to deal with them, that'd be fine. But he doesn't deal with any of them. Joker. Not even really Joker. Mm. 
the Joker a little bit more because obviously he carries him out of the theatre yeah. and there's and references all throughout Harley's Revenge but in Harley's Revenge it's clearly Harley that's feeling the death more than Batman yeah and I, I still would have liked to see Harley do more than just that rather cack-handed attempt in, uh, in Harley's Revenge I think uh, it would have been nice for her to actually maybe drop the act a little bit and, and actually be genuinely frightening yeah she still comes off as quite incompetent in, yeah. unfortunately in Harley's Revenge but ultimately, she is still at heart a child, which makes you wonder how she actually managed to get to be Dr. Harley and Quinzel at Arkham Asylum. Interestingly it enough, was her naivety, to be honest, because yeah. she, she thought, I'm going to go to Arkham Asylum and help these people. Mm. And obviously, everybody at Arkham Asylum treated her like crap, except for the Joker. Interestingly enough, there's a, a segment of the, the Harley Quinn tapes in Arkham Asylum where she quotes lines literally directly out of the animated series. Where, uh, which Harley said when in, in Mad Love, one of the last episodes, um, it t- tells the story of how she met and fell in love with the Joker. It's actually really great. Yeah. Because he's so extremely abusive to her, and it takes her most of the, the animated series to realise that he's not good for her. Uh, any other characters? Well, do you want to bitch about the, what you were bitching about on Twitter? Because you did not like the way they did Hush oh, in this. Okay, right. Um, yeah. Hush is in there... Very, very briefly, his time on screen, or even referencing his character, numbers about ten minutes. It spoils the ending of Hush for people who haven't read Hush, Mm. to no real effect, simply with name-dropping. doesn't really seem congruent with the character, or even really the game. It's it's too disturbing for a game advertised on goddamn Nickelodeon. Yeah, Yeah, it does tie into... It it does tie into the comic books that were... Coming out around about the same time as the game. Yeah, there's like a... He was running that, around with yeah. somebody else's face. <clears throat> Nicely done. <laughs> and, <laughs> but what the hell was Azriel doing in that at all? It suddenly <laughs> was a whole new continuity where he, he hadn't been broken by Bane. Yeah, oh, no, that, no, that, 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 Hang on, didn't... No! Bane said no! Because in Arkham Asylum, Bane says, Last time we met, I broke the bat. Now I will break the man. I don't know why he's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Hispanic man, Hispanic. And so, what happened after he broke the man? Because it sure as hell wasn't Azrael being Batman, because he's never met him before, apparently. Yeah, and Azrael's the one that goes nuts when he's Batman. Yeah, he's a mentalist. He's a he's a he's a crazy religious fundamentalist in love with someone named Saint Dumbass, apparently. Can you smell the excitement in the air? No. Hmm. Must have been one of the guards then. Rock, old boy! Is that you? Get ready. Keep your weapons trained on it at all times. What's it doing? I've got your scent, Batman. I will hunt you down. Get that animal under control! A toy collar won't stop me from killing you, Batman. I'll rip you apart. Eat your bones. That reminds me. I really need to get me some new shoes. Okay, move up. 
is the detective work just window dressing? Because yes. when you first start it, it seems so intricate. You're like, wow, detective, I'm totally a detective now. Yeah, it, it's busy work half the time, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of just a way to find a trail every single It was in Arkham. It really was bad in, in, in the s- asylum. Sorry, yeah. no, in the asylum it was worse. All right. Because you had the, what was it, the pipe smoke, the, the, tobacco, the, alcohol, the alcohol, fingerprints, the fingerprints. spores, spores. Oh. blood and semen. It's a, it's a neat little thing, and it, it's overused a little bit, and when it happens in uh, when it happens in Arkham City, it was a bit more neat, because it, it was sort of, it was taking you on a parkour runaround, the, uh, the actual city itself, so maybe it doesn't weigh you down quite so much. By the time you get to the end of Arkham City, you're like, okay, I can probably do without the whole following trails now. Yeah, it gets a bit much. It's, it is a bit better and feels a bit better in City, though. Mm. It doesn't feel as bad. It makes a bit more sense with like using the detective vision to work out like where J- Joker sh- took the sniper shot from or yeah. long shot, took, uh, dead shot, with, you know, shooting from and stuff like that. So it's not as bad. Following the trail of harsh or stuff like that. Basically, yeah. every time you, you actually were called upon by the game to use your detective vision, it should really have been for something distinct and different each time. Because if mm. th- there were too many instances of following trails, maybe maybe do that twice. Maybe do it once in the first game, once in the second game. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah. detective vision was more useful maybe in the first than it was the second I'll tell you what, Detective Vision's most useful for fights. Yeah. Who's Those things get really quite tricky, and when, oh, when you use it to see who's picking up the gun, you're like, right, I'm going to clobber you over there, and then you, you keep... It's, it's, it's like everyone's like, pass the parcel. I'm going to pick up the gun. No, I'm going to pick up the gun. Do you notice that he always knocks out the person who picks up the gun? I'm going to pick up the gun. The other thing that actually reminded me was, in this one, there was... In the first one, most of the time you ran into a large group of enemies that were usually mm. patrolling. So it yeah. became a, it became that sort of mini puzzle game of how do I take who out, who do I take out first. Mm. Whereas in this one, there's certain times where you just run into a clump of enemies. Yeah. And that's really annoying to and me. more come running in and all that sort <laughs> of thing. Yeah. Well, if, if you're outside, then obviously uh, you, I, I found myself flying away a lot of the time just to, to avoid it. But um, if you're inside, you're like, oh, God, there's so many of you. You see, when the patrolling is, is, is that mini game of, right, work out how to take each individual one out. But what I, that springs to mind, and for some reason the one I was struggling with, is uh, I think, yeah, on your way back to the GCPD and there's a group of them waiting outside talking. Mm. They finish their dialogue and then they just stand there. They don't do anything. They don't go, oh, you go over there and patrol that way. You keep an eye out for the bat. They just stand there. And you really got, should have attacked us by now. You know, you've, <laughs> and you've got like a, a guy in the padded armor, two Said no guys, <laughs> a baton guy, a knife guy, and some normals. And it's a bleeding hard fight when you can't take out uh, them slowly. Yeah. I'm a tad bit biased because I got so used to the combat that... Technically, I've almost done all the achievements, let's just say that. Oh, wow. I've not, I've not done a lot of the challenge room ones, but I did play through it on hard, so I got yeah. fairly good at it at one point. <laughs> Most of the fights are actually really fast. I think, it, it mainly, be, especially in City, because you've got so many gadgets that you can upgrade yeah. to allow you to use them in the middle of fights, to really mix it up and go, right, I'm going to taser you, like, like Sonic Batarang you, and then I'm going to blow you up with some stuff, and then I'm going to, you know... Uh, I don't think I've ever sworn so much at the game as doing the um, <laughs> achievement in Asylum for doing Ultimate the perfect combo. combo. Yeah. Oh, right. Where you have to do every single one of the moves and use all of the gadgets in one combo. God. 
Oh. I did that both for Arkham and uh, Arkham Asylum and City. City's even harder. Well, you have loads more gadgets. City, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ultimately, most of the fights are actually really kind of smooth. Especially in in City, the addition of being able to run and then do that slide. I really missed that when I started playing Asylum again. I was like, oh, can I not slide? Mm. No. But, uh, but yeah, that, that really is great for tackling and sort of opening people up. It's like the um, jump and then low kick in Street Fighter. But the, the time that the fights actually get a bit tiresome is when they chuck in the Titan guy or maybe the one-armed guy who is a clown and then one-armed guy who is not a clown and then a one-armed guy who is not related to either of the other one-armed guys. Oh, you think that's bad? Harley's Revenge has the worst one in. The one-armed Titan? Uh, no, it's uh, you go to rescue Batman, and it's just a room full of them. And you think, oh, God, this is a lot. And then the door at the so back opens, and the Titan walks in with a load more guys. And you're like, oh, give me a break. See, yeah, I did that last night. <laughs> the problem for me is that's what I sort of... To, I've got to the point where I love to walk into a room just filled with enemies. You see, I, li- I, I like the stealth part, so that's a me bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's difficult to complain about basically, ki- you know, beating unconscious the same identical one guy a thousand times over these two games because it is really slickly operated in a way that most brawler games aren't th- this good, yeah. really. And it's it's the kind of thing. Assassin's Creed is now making this kind of fighting engine, uh, and it's adapted it from the original where you spend your entire time just parrying, mm. and now it's much more sort of like mixing it up. Which is a great idea. The great thing is that it does actually mix the combat and the stealth. You can pretty much do it either way. Mm. Oh, all right, mm. you have. Oh, you do get thrown well. into. <laughs> you do get the the block fights, but when they're patrolling, then it becomes the stealth one, and that's where I think you really feel like Batman because Batman isn't going to run into it. Usually, isn't going to charge into a great big group of people. He is going to pick his moments and pick his spots, and that's what you do. Yeah. I've actually explained this so carefully to Lyra and she's watched me get my ass kicked so many times she's like watch out that one's got a gun that one's got a gun take them out first I'm like good that's daddy's little Batman <laughs> uh, but see that's kind of what most of this game is actually not too bad That that's kind of why I was a little bit kind of do, do you guys have to call Catwoman a bitch quite so much yeah you know because ultimately she, she doesn't mind seeing Catwoman kick the shit out of guys but when they're like, we're going to rape you, at the same time, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But you don't, you don't have to make everything accessible to kids. That is not what I'm saying. But ultimately, if it's not key to the plot, why have it in there at all? Uh, my thought is it was probably just limitations. And, but I'm not excusing it. That's my <laughs> thoughts on it. Excuse number 19. Limitations? <laughs> I, I'm not excusing it. I'm saying yeah. that it, it's not something that I was consciously taking in. No. no. Like I said, it's only actually a small element of the game. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, okay, so, yeah, last couple of things. Um, the predatory gameplay, as we've just uh, been talking about, yeah. um, it actually reminds me of a game that came out on the PS1 that had a uh, to moderate success because it ha- there was a much bigger stealth game that came out around the time uh, then had an unsung sequel uh, not especially popular third one and then a couple more ever since but has never really had a game that everyone's like I can't stop playing this Tenchu Stealth Assassins 
yeah, that that they were good. They didn't stay good for long, but it's very <laughs> yeah. good. They got bad. But yeah, the, the first one, they suffered from a case of, like, you could run in, slash a guy across the stomach, and have him run after you and go, Ugh! and then hide for two seconds, and he'd go, must have been the wind. It wasn't the wind, dude. It was a ninja. <laughs> and then he'd wander off. And it's like, if they couldn't see you, then you weren't there anymore. So it was this weird ostrich gameplay. And these days it would be completely different. And obviously in, in Batman, they remember you and they won't stop hounding you, which is great. And then once you're in the rafters, you have to really keep scooting around to get away. Was Tenchi the one with the where you could leave poisoned rice balls? Yeah. And they just randomly walk up to them and eat them. Ooh, poisoned rice. All of rice on the floor. But yeah, no, that it had that kind of gadgets and it had that kind of ninja gameplay. And then when you were in trouble, you just threw up your ninja hook and then up to the roof. That is what this game has in spades. This is the most like Tenchu, but it's Tenchu done right. And of course, without the total evisceration of your enemy. I mean, so when they start, if they're making another Tenchu game, look to this one. I mean, when they start bringing in the exploding gargoyles or the enemies will destroy a gargoyle if... If you left, or have collars that will signal to other enemies. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I, I like those ones because you can use them for herding them and yeah. use your batarang to drop people from that you've already strung up. See, but the averted takedown is awesome. When someone I missed that panic. so much when I was and playing he, the DLC last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you and you swoop down and you pick them up and then you leave them hanging. And you can also chuck a batarang and cut their rope. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> I miss the trouble is that is that's the greatest takedown, but you have to unlock that in asylum. Yeah, but you didn't, 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 you, didn't you have to do it in city as well, or was no. that from no? no from in city it was automatic. In asylum, it was. I think that's because everyone went. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's not a surprise that Batman controls like Tenshu. He is ultimately, let's face it, a ninja. He's been trained as a ninja yeah. and a, as an assassin. He just doesn't do the killing thing. So that kind of makes him the, the good ninja. Why were all the ninjas in this female? There weren't. There was a male one? Deadshot. Wait. Oh, Deadshot. No, then... Is, he, is Deadshot a ninja now? Oh, well, then, no, no, sorry. It's the... It's in the illusion world, sorry, I'm thinking of... Where they have sort of like the demon ninjas. Mm. No, no, actual male ninjas like there were in Batman Begins. I, I think not, the, not sexy ninjas. I think the excuse is, oh, these are Talia's personal guard. Uh-huh, and when you get really close to Rachel Ghoul, Sexy ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter, it's fine, it's fine to be sexy. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> That's my motto. I just made another pig noise. <laughs> 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 the tell his personal guard is. I looked at him because they got blue on. I kept thinking, is that Katana? <laughs> <laughs> of course, the link there being Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, which we will not speak of. No, because it's god awful. It is. Although, actually, after I watched Mortal Kombat, the film, the other day with Lyra, um, I thought, am I the worst parent in the world? And then I finished it and went, no, it's actually really kind of sweet-natured, family-friendly fun. There's really, like, only two bits in it that are even vaguely borderline for showing young kids. Sub-Zero getting impaled and uh, Scorpion having his head cut in two. But it's a skull and it's bloodless the whole way through and it's, it's hilarious. Why do I think Lyra was going to say, look, Ghost Rider. Finish him. Uh, she doesn't actually know Ghost Rider yet. That's one of the uh, few Marvel, Marvel movies I have not shown her, for good reasons. 
mainly because of Wes Bentley. He's rubbish. Harleen Quinzel, I'm Joan Leland. Hi, Joan. Call me Harley. Everyone does. I must admit, I was surprised you wanted to intern here at Arkham. Well, I've always had an attraction for extreme personalities. They're more exciting, more challenging. And more high profile? You can't deny there's an element of glamour to these super criminals. I'll warn you right now. These are hardcore psychotics. If you're thinking about cashing in on them by writing a tell-all book, think again. They'd eat a novice like you for breakfast. So, at the very, very end, Joker dies. Straight out dies in a kind of way where Sharon was watching it and going, right, so when's he going to come back? And I was like, mm, nope, I think that's pretty much it. He's dead in this world, so... Yeah, which uh, kind of to that end, I think it actually may have lessened the impact with a lot of people because they were waiting for the punchline. But no, it's that that turns out to be it. And for the sequel, because to do a Batman without Joker, you kind of maybe gonna weaken the whole thing. They here is the press release. The yet-to-be-announced follow-up to 2011's Batman Arkham City will be a prequel based on the Silver Age of DC's comic books from the 1950s. During This is prior even to Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men, sort of 60s era uh, for Marvel, during which the titular hero teamed up with the likes of Superman and founded the Justice League of America. Variety reports, according to publication, the Rocksteady Studios title will revolve around Batman's first meeting with the Joker. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment is also expected to reteam a number of DC characters through the title in some form as part of a push to get audiences used to seeing the superheroes in media outside of film. The game, which WBIE declined to comment about, will likely hit during 2013, Variety reports. This comes as part of a mandate by Time Warner to monetize the superheroes through films, games, televised series and cartoons. That sounds like such corporate uh, bullshit. Yeah, this is the one that actually gets me a bit worried. Yeah, that word monetize. Monetize. Oh. I mean, <laughs> fine, make money, but ultimately, you know, as, as long as your remit is for quality, like you know, Avengers made rather a lot of money. Is that right, Neil? Yeah, yes, it, it did. <laughs> I, mean, I believe the the current count is one squillion dollars. Um, <laughs> it's over one and a half billion. Jesus. But yeah, either way, Batman's got that to beat on his own. I might add. Um, <laughs> I'm so screwed. <laughs> I actually, no, maybe not, because I think people do like the Batmans. So yeah. And there's what thirty of us going to see it. That'll make his money. That'll back. bump it up. Just a bitch. <laughs> Although, like I said, we got a discount, so. Mm. <laughs> we would all have gone to see that paying full price so uh, you yeah. hear that sound in the background that's my ego deflating very quickly <laughs> I'm sorry man. but okay right the Silver Age thing sounds really interesting because mm. if you think about it they could do this one ironically and they could do it with a, an, a, an interesting slant on the whole thing because I don't think you could just do this straight up 50s I think most people would get really really bored hmm also, it makes Batman how old? I think yeah, they're going to... scale. I, I think they're probably going to make it sort of riff on the 50s rather than actually saying, this is Batman in the 50s. Oh, well, I'll right. have firecrackers. And, and I can't have everyone talk like that. At the end of this game, Batman takes a dip in the Lazarus pit. Makes him a bit... Oh, yes. <laughs> means he and everyone else lives forever. You see, if it was said the 80s, I'd be a little bit less worried. Because in terms of, oh, he's not that old by the time we get to... You know, he's had enough time to have, say, mm. Dick, train Dick, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, 
You're being way too literal. This is I about know. The Batman in Arkham Asylum uh, has had, what, 10, 15 years' worth of a career. All we're doing is going back to the beginning part, but they'll shoot it in a kind of a... I mean, it doesn't have to correspond to the real world in terms of fashions and in terms of what actually happened. Ultimately, they retcon the DC Universe so often that Batman really should be that old, but he's not. Um, He's no Judge Dredd. No. uh, I, I don't know Dredd, but okay. Dredd takes place in real time. In real time, <laughs> as in right now. each year is a year, so dread gets older. Gets older. See, I wish that um, now you know what, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, um, I think ultimately, when it comes down to it, they're, they're going to probably harken back in this to a bygone age when everything was a lot more naive. But what will happen throughout the game is that it'll become, it'll be creepingly more. I don't want to say dark. I know what you're saying. You're saying like say the traditionalist, uh, the Joker takes the shine off of things. Yeah, and that's quite there. cool. Also, if the, it doesn't say they might put like Superman in there, it will be interesting to see them put other heroes in. And if you get to play as them, how this engine works with other heroes. Yeah. One thing I actually did like, and I haven't mentioned this at all, the Wonder City episodes when you're going underneath a section of Gotham and there was a whole kind of World's Fair slash circus there and they're talking about something terrible happened and, uh, you know, that, I I love that kind of uncovering this murky past. It it kind of felt, um, it it had haunted house aspects and it felt closer then to Arkham Asylum. But at that stage you get Batman very, very close to death because, we haven't mentioned, he's been infected with whatever the Joker's got for this game and he's been getting steadily sicker. He's literally been injected with Joker's blood. Yeah. And he almost dies and he sees his parents calling out to him and it seems to be something he wants. Mm. And uh, I'm just going to say this, folks. Watch this space. That kind of... uh, kick-started an idea for me of something that I'd uh, put down for a long, long time and I've picked back up again. I'm going to try and get it finished before I get exhausted with Batman. So uh, stick around, folks. Yeah, can I also say, because I didn't realise I was going to be on this show, I managed to play through both these games in about 24 hours. Jesus. Uh, That's a lot of Batman. That is. Thank you. A little little thing on that. It's not as bad as watching Batman and Robin once. No, no, it's it's on my birthday, Neil to pimp whatever show you would like right now. I'm going to pimp Desert Island Gonzo because I love doing that show. That show's been a real highlight for me because, you know, we get to get many guests on, uh, most recently Sharon, and we get to hear about the things that they really love. And sometimes stuff comes up that I've not heard of and makes me want to check out, or older stuff comes up that I've forgotten about, see Quantum Leap, and makes me go, I really want to see that show. Josh convinced me to watch The Wire in its entirety. And can I just say, Xanteriad is next. Ooh. He picks some awesome TV shows. 
I can't wait for people to hear that one. Next week, we will be starting off the tackling of the Christopher Nolan Batman films. I am really glad that unlike the Alien films, this series has been getting steadily better as I've been talking. The Alien films exhausted me. The Batman films are invigorating me as I go along and experience better and better versions of each of the, uh, of the character. So, yeah, great series to do. Really. We definitely hit a dip with the Forever uh, Robin one. <laughs> so much so that everybody dropped out. <laughs> I, I really like the fact that that was like a, you know, everyone else is dead, now it's just us left. For the record, I was legitimately sick that night, and I couldn't be on the show because <laughs> it wouldn't have been nice. I think... It wasn't nice anyway. ...said watching Batman and Robin would make anyone legitimately sick, so... Uh, it's quite watched. funny, because nobody else knew that the others had dropped out. <laughs> like, I'm so bad about this, I'm still not coming on, but I feel so bad about this. <laughs> anyway, what... We are, of course, going to end on the only song we could possibly end on. Take it away, Mark Hamill as the Joker. And this is the message he leaves at the very end uh, for Batman in Arkham City. We'll see you next week for Batman Begins. (laughs) Only you can make this world... I've got Stewie again!